God's love is bigger, isn't it? Take your Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll read a prayer from the Apostle Paul to the saints who were in Ephesus. It's a prayer to them originally, but it's a prayer that's right where we are. I want to just say thank you for the life groups that have flipped time frames today, for all of you who are being very flexible so that we can kind of spread out. Uh, in the 9-15, time frame. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Hopefully you can still worship at this hour and it doesn't feel too weird. Uh, but thank you for doing that. It's fun. Every week's an adventure with construction going on. Uh, as far as I know, we're pretty much on schedule. It is looking good. Demolition is done as far as taking out uh, things that need to be taken out. Now they're building back, and it's pretty fun to see the new things coming on. So keep praying for that process, and uh, keep looking forward to the day that is coming. We hope by October we're back in our new worship center, uh, fully renovated and chapel worship full speed ahead. But today we're here, and we're together. I kind of like it that way. It's a warm feel Good to see all of you in person. Let's look at God's Word together. Ephesians three fourteen through 21. I pray that we will all discover the immeasurably more in Christ today. If you're able to stand, let's honor the reading of God's Word by standing. Realizing this is God-breathed, life-giving, refreshing, renewing. He has what we need today. Paul said... Verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, your word is truth. And we thank you that you have given it to us. Not only did you inspire it originally, but you preserved it and you allow us to hear it today. So give us listening ears spiritually. Father, give us a heart to embrace truth so that we will experience the immeasurably more in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Someone once said, now when you see a turtle on a fence post, one thing you can know, he didn't get there by himself. It's obvious that somebody put that turtle on top of the fence post. That's pretty cruel, by the way. But anyway, it's a good analogy for us. Look around the room this morning. Go ahead. You can look at the person next to you. They won't bite, I don't think. We're all turtles on a fence post spiritually. In other words, you didn't get to where you are, neither did I, by ourselves. 
It was by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone that we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that our sin has been paid in full by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as we look around the room, you need to realize we're all messed up. We're still messed up. We all have flaws. We have blemishes. We, we're not perfect. We're an imperfect people. But as our hearts cry out to a holy God and a heavenly Father, and we really ask sincerely through life circumstances, does anybody really care? Can anybody help me? Is there anyone that I can trust in the day and time that I live? I believe our Heavenly Father just says, look. And He puts on display the body of Christ, sinners redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, saved by grace through faith in Christ, and you and I become a display of the grace of God to a watching world. And God did for us what we could not do for ourselves, but He's done for us a glorious work in redeeming us, and now He has commissioned us that now, as my children, as I have poured my my spirit into your life, you are now ambassadors for me. You are ministers of reconciliation. You are called to be my witnesses, and you are alive today to display the love of God and the glory of God to a world that needs Him. And so, understand, we're turtles on a fence post. We didn't get to where we are by our own good works and our own merit, but we are the church, and our mission matters to the world that we live in. Today, I want to begin a conversation about purpose. Hopefully, you have seen through the hallways, on the bulletin, on banners in front of you right now, Discover Christ, Serve Others, and Grow Strong. Our purpose at Liberty is that, that we discover Christ, that we serve others, and that we grow strong. In fact, as we hear that, it, it's the what. This is what we are and what we're called to do, that it is the Great Commission. We're called out with a God mandate to make disciples. A disciple is simply a follower of Christ who is seeking to be faithful to learn how to live under the lordship, the authority of Jesus on a daily basis. And so here's the win for Liberty Baptist. The win at Liberty Baptist Church is for us to see people actively discovering Christ. For us to see people actively serving others. And for us to see people actively growing strong. Because if we're actively serving, uh, discovering Christ, then we're actively making Him known. Have you ever experienced discovery? Discovery of good things. Now, you can discover bad news and bad things, but I'm talking about good things. Have you ever had a food that you dodged most of your life because you just didn't like the way it smelled or the color that it was or the texture or that it, uh, what it looked like? And you dodged it, and you dodged it, and you dodged it. But then one day, somebody compelled you, just try it, just try it. And you tried it, and to your utter amazement, you like it. And now you even order it when you go out to eat. It's become a discovery that just made it good. And, and you say, oh, man, that's so good. Maybe on your device, you realize that as you try, if you're my age, trying to get into the digital world and learn things, that somebody says, oh, man, there's an app for that. 
If you just go to the app store and download this, then it can save you a whole lot of time. And you discover, here's what discovery does. It's that aha moment. It's wow factor. It's wow, I didn't know that. That's so good. That's so cool. It tastes so good. Maybe it's a truth in God's Word. Have you discovered one of those recently? We're talking about something you've heard about if you've grown up in church your whole life this morning, the fullness of God's love, the magnitude of God's love. But here's the reality. The more we discover the love of God, the more we realize there's so much more to discover. It never gets old, never runs out. And the more we learn about ourselves as we understand ourselves through the lens of Scripture, the more we're amazed at how a holy God could really unconditionally and eternally love someone like us. And so discovery creates excitement. Discovery creates energy. Discovery talks about new life and a new strength and a new vibrance. And so my prayer today is that when we leave, you have discovered a little more of the immeasurably more of Christ that there is to discover. Here's what happens when discovery takes place. You go out there and you tell somebody else what you just discovered. I love to hunt. You know that. And if I ever kill a good deer, harvest, I'm sorry, let's be politically correct, right? If I ever harvest a deer, it might pop up on the screen on Sunday morning. But you will hear about it in the hallways. It's an exciting thing. And so good things that happen in our life, we tell others about those good things, don't we? Here's the win at Liberty Baptist when we discover our purpose. It's to see people actively discovering, actively serving, and actively growing up in Christ's likeness. That's the win. What does that mean? It means that that's when spiritual transformation is happening in the life of an individual. That's what we're called to do, to make disciples. And God's work is growing us up to be more like Jesus. Now, how does that happen at Liberty Baptist? There are three critical components you need to wrap around. Three things that we do, that we focus, that we promote, that we try to be the best we can be at doing these things. One is worship. The second one is life group or Sunday school or small group. And the third one is serve. And so how we go about Great Commission work is through corporate worship weekly, through life group opportunity weekly, And through serve, your abilities, your passions, who you are, plugging into God's purpose on a weekly basis. Here is the win in our eyes as your spiritual leaders. That you weekly engage in worship. That weekly you are committed to community of believers through a life group. That weekly you are serving. I'm not talking about every six weeks in preschool ministry. I'm talking about weekly you are giving. That's good. We need that, right? Now, Becky says yes. We need that. But I'm talking about all that you are, all that you have, all the time that you say, Lord, I'm the blank check. Help me to serve you as I come today to worship you. And so the win is that we're actively going through these things on a weekly basis. I deem that important for my spiritual life. I believe Scripture bears up that for children of God, it's important that corporately we gather and we worship. For children of God, it's critical that community is established. We're called to live life together in the body of Christ. 
Understand the one another's of the New Testament. Have you ever tried to do a one another by yourself? Doesn't work. We're called to live together in community and spur one another on to love and good deeds and then to serve. God's given you a passion. He's given you gifts and abilities, not to sit and soak, but to be active serving Him as you serve others in the body of Christ. And so the win for us is to see you do that every week. And so the Great Commission win is to see people actively discovering and serving and growing. The weekly win is to see people engaged weekly in worship, in life group, and in serve points. Now, when does this happen? Didn't you ask that? I heard somebody ask. I'm glad you asked. Are you okay out there this morning? It's real simple. It's printed on the bulletin every week. It's on the website. We speak it every week. We worship weekly on Sunday. We worship weekly on Sunday at 9.15 and 10.45. At 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, we worship weekly, corporate. So if you're going to engage in worship on a weekly basis, these are three opportunities that you have to join together in worship. That's when we corporately gather together. We'd love to see you engaged in worship weekly. Now, life group, when does that happen? Beginning on Sunday at 8 o'clock. 9.15, fully graded. 10.45, fully graded. On Sunday morning, life group, these are opportunities to engage and belong to a small group, a community of believers that we can grow with, that we can spur one another on to loving good deeds. People in a like season of life, people in a similar age at times, so that we can grow together in Christ. Sometimes, if you're like me, A life group on Sunday morning may not work well. You worship, you serve, you can't attend a life group. There are life support groups on Wednesday night. We begin at 6 o'clock and go to 7.30. In the bulletin today is support groups that happen on Wednesday, beginning this week. And so there's some good ones to pick from. Sometimes that may be your life group that you need to engage in. I'm in a life group home edition. And the home edition fits me because I can't do all these things as far as belonging to a life group on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. But Dawn and I can be together, husband and wife, in a life group with a small group of couples so that we meet in homes and we study God's Word and we pray with one another and we share with one another. We do life together with one another. And that is critical for me to be spurred on to do what God has called me to do. And so we have life group home editions. When do they meet? Any day of the week. It depends on the leader. It depends on the group. We have a couple that are meeting on Friday night like our group does. We have some that meet on Sunday night. And you might gasp and say, oh, Brother Tim, on Sunday night we have worship. Yeah, but if you've been in worship on Sunday morning and have not been in life group, you need to be in life group. And so we think it's critically important that you worship weekly, that you go to life group weekly, and that you serve weekly. And it's so important. That's the process of the Great Commission at Liberty Baptist Church. And then serve. Every time we gather, there's opportunity to do all of those, worship and serve and grow. You need to plug in. And you might walk in and you might be visiting or attending for a while and you look around and you say, y'all have got everything covered. You don't have a need. If we have given that impression, we've done well. But here's behind the scene. Every ministry has needs. Every ministry has opportunity. 
Every place, wherever your passion, wherever your giftedness is, I promise you there is a place to serve at Liberty Baptist Church, and we need you. There are ministries that have not started that need to be started by folks being willing to say, Lord, here am I, use me. Now, why would we do this? The what is to make disciples, to see people actively discovering, serving, and growing. The, the when there is, is to see spiritual transformation, how we do it through worship, through life group, through serve. Why do we do it? Because it's a God mandate to us. And that we ought to spur one another on that we leverage all that we are and all that we have for the glory of God. That's our calling. Paul prayed in this prayer in Ephesians that we might discover the immeasurably more in Christ. That's my prayer for you this morning. For some this morning, that means that, that you need to discover Christ as Savior. It means that maybe you've come, uh, maybe by an invitation of a neighbor or a friend, and, and you're here and you're wondering, can God love me? Yes. Maybe you're wondering, uh, can God help me? Nobody else can. Yes. And maybe you're wondering, is this God worthy to be trusted? Well, he's truth, and in him there are no lies. I think he's worthy to be trusted. Yes, he can help. And discovery may begin with you this morning in a personal relationship with Christ. For others, the immeasurably more in Christ may come through a greater commitment. School's beginning, and we begin fresh commitments, and, and we come back uh, to a more norm routine or different. You know, what in the world is normal today? I don't know. It's different when school starts. Now that it's different, will you give God first fruits? Will you commit weekly to worship, to life group, and to serve? And for some, discovering the immeasurably more in Christ is to make a greater commitment of time and talent and treasure. Still for others, you attend worship and you serve, but you have no life group. Your commitment ought to be to engage a life group, find out that immeasurably more of living life together. Yet for others, worship you, you do, and, and you attend a life group, but you have no serve point. There's a place. Let us come alongside and help you in discovering that. Now let's look at Paul's prayer. Point number one on your sermon notes. There's a reason that he prayed, and there's a realm in which he did pray. The reason, he said, for this reason in verse 14. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1, there's the same phrase. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, um, for you Gentiles. What is the reason that Paul is offering this prayer? Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3 have been chapters that talk about the riches of Christ that we have. And, and they've talked about we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And Paul said in verse 14 that I bow my knees and I'm praying. Verse 15, uh, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Verse 16, that he would grant you how? According to the riches of his glory. And let's think about those two. Paul says... I bow my knees. I, I show reverence and respect to our Heavenly Father, the God from whom every child of God is named after, those in heaven and those on earth. And for this reason, what reason? Go back to chapter 2 and look at verse 11. Remember, Paul was called out to be a minister 
to the Gentiles particularly. And he's reminded them in verse 11, chapter 2, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of, of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world... Look at verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Paul has reminded us we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We are redeemed, Ephesians 1, 7, by His blood. We've, we have an inheritance in Christ in chapter 1. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of redemption. We are made alive in Christ because we were dead. We're saved by grace, not of works. We are His workmanship in Christ Jesus created to do good works. We're brought near by His blood. We're unified in God's household and we're built together for a dwelling dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Paul said, it's for that reason, it's for these blessings that we have in Christ that I pray this prayer to you according to the riches of His glory. How vast are they? The riches of God's glory are limitless. They never run out. And so Paul is really saying, I'm praying for you the immeasurably more that is in Christ. There are four petitions, number two, on your sermon notes. Look at them. He says, number one, verse 16, I pray for the Spirit's power. He said that He would grant you, children of God, according to His riches, to do what? To be strengthened with might through His Spirit, where? In the inner man, in that, that person, your inner being, who you really are. He prayed that you might be strengthened, made stronger, that you might be fortified uh, with might or with power. That word might or power is dunamis in the Greek, and from that Greek word we get our English word dynamite. And so Paul is saying that I pray that you may be strengthened with dunamis. Dunamis, and, and that is the power of God at work in you, that explosive power. Let me just track that word a little bit. In Luke 24, after Jesus' resurrection, he told the disciples, Stay in the city until you are clothed with dunamis, with power from on high. Acts 1.8, But you will receive dunamis, power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 4.33, the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost with great dunamis or power. The apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of Christ. You see a transitioning happening in the church. Stephen, Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, full of grace and power. He faced death courageously, refused to renounce Christ. How? By the power of God at work in his life. Acts 10.38, Peter said Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. What did Paul just pray in verse 16 and following? That you, dear believer, be strengthened with dunamis through His Spirit in the inner man. Romans 5, 5 says, God has poured out His love in us at the point of salvation by giving us His Holy Spirit. 
And so Paul is praying that we discover the immeasurably more through the power of God, through His Spirit that's already at work in the life of the believer. The indwelling presence and power of God. The enabling power of God. God sent His Spirit to be with and within followers of Christ after Jesus had ascended back to heaven. The Holy Spirit of God today comforts us, guides us to know His truth, reminds us of Jesus' words, points out when we do not obey, gives us the right words to say, fills us with power to do good, and after Pentecost we know God made the Holy Spirit available to every one of us at the point of salvation. Strengthen with might, with power in the inner man. Number two, he prayed for Christ's presence. Look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your what? Hearts through faith. That Christ may abide in your inner person, in who you are, that he may dwell and fill at home. How does a holy God fill at home in a heart? in our life. First of all, the sin debt has to be paid in full by grace through faith in Christ. Secondly, we've got to deal with sin daily through confession and repentance for the child of God. The question for each of us this morning, can Christ dwell and fill at home in our life, in our inner person, in our heartbeat? Does he feel at home with us? Every day we're, we're confronted with truth and in that truth, as it intercepts life that we're living and circumstances that we have, here's a question we have to answer. Do I believe Jesus no matter what? This is what God says. But do I believe Jesus in spite of what my eyes see around me? Because it might conflict with what Jesus said. Do I believe Jesus in spite of what my mind that is finite, that's limited, that wrestles with thoughts and, and the battleground is the mind? Do I choose to believe Jesus and take captive thoughts to bring them into submission to His Word that is truth no matter what? Do I choose to believe what Jesus said no matter what I feel? You can't make decisions by feelings. They will lead you astray but we can make decisions based on truth no matter what. And so the prayer that Paul is praying is that Christ may be able to dwell in our life and come in and abide and fill at home through faith. And faith is that choosing to believe no matter what. To be able to confess our sin and allow Christ to be at home in our life. He cannot be at home in our life when sin abounds. Before power will ever be manifest in our life, then there must be purity. And Scripture's pretty clear about that, and that's the hard part, isn't it? He goes further. He keeps praying in verse 17, the second part. He prays for love's profusion, the abundance of love. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, in verse 18, what is the width, length, depth, and height of God's love. Rooted and grounded, words of of stability, words of establishment, you being rooted and grounded is pointing to a past activity that has present results. And the past activity is salvation. You have been born again. 
because you're saved by grace through faith in Christ, because God's poured His Spirit out into your life. You are being rooted and you are being grounded more and more every day. You're being rooted and grounded in the love of God more and more every day as God does His good work in you. And Paul prays that you may comprehend, that you may begin to grasp with all the saints the magnitude of the love of God, the width, the length, the depth, and the height. How big is the love of God? It's bigger than we can wrap around. We may never fully grasp the measure of Christ's love for us, but Scripture gives us some ideas about how big it is. It is as wide as the outstretched arms of the crucified Savior, embracing both the Jew and the Gentile, the rich and the poor, the male and the female, reaching out to the whosoever wills. It reaches long enough to touch the most wretched sinners and high enough to reconcile that person to God. The love of Christ is big enough to have room for the divorced and the never married, the sexually abused, as well as the abuser, the woman who's had an abortion and the man who caused her to have it, the person addicted to alcohol or to pornography. How big is the love of God? It is as big as the cross. Nobody loves you more than this God of Scripture loves you. Nobody's demonstrated love in a greater way than this heavenly Father who gave His only Son, who gave His life. And so Paul is praying, though, that you may comprehend with all the saints the abundance, the profusion of that love. How great is that love? And last, he prays for God's preeminence. In verse 19, he begins, that you may... Know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and then that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may know here is to know by experience, not just by knowledge, not just by a preacher or a teacher telling you about it, but you know by experience the love of God. Has there been a time that you have felt almost as if he was here in person, God wrapping you up in his loving care and his tender mercies? Have there been those moments that you realize God loved you in spite of you? If the Holy Spirit of God has convicted you of sin, then understand God loves you. He is wrapping you up because He disciplines those who are His. If you have experienced the forgiveness of God for our own stupidity and our sinful choices, and when we experience the truth of Romans 5.1, that we're justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God, and Romans 8.1, that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, not because you're good or I'm good, but because God is faithful to His Son, and God is faithful to forgive and cleanse and not remember or hold against anymore, that's experiencing the knowledge of the love of God that is real in our life. When you discover that, you talk about it. You let others know how good it is to be loved with a love like that. You understand the preeminence of God that we experience to the utmost. God's dominance in our life, the fullness that He gives. Now look at the praise at the end, verse 20 and 21. It's a doxology, it's a praise. Paul is just overflowing as he prays for these believers and, and asks God to um, help them to dis discover the immeasurably more. In verse 20 he says, Now unto him, now to him 
That is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, Now to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is able. That's a progressive type of thought. There are three superlatives that are identified here. He said, now to him who is able. Now to him who is able to do. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think or imagine. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. What did he say? To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations. That is the immeasurably more in Christ. To discover that immeasurably more in Christ is now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. To God be glory in the church. Who's the church? You're a turtle on a fence post. You didn't get there by yourself. Let others see the glory of God in and through you. May we discover that immeasurably more today. For some, that's salvation. For others, it's a time commitment to giving first fruits of time and talent and treasure. For some, it's consistent worship weekly, consistent life group, community, plug in, get committed to it. For others, it's service. For some, it may be church membership. Others, professing faith in Christ are are just a consistent quiet time to discover the immeasurably more in Christ. When you discover that, it brings new life. It brings a vibrance and excitement. Say, this is awesome, and I've got to share it with somebody else. Let's pray together. Father, help us discover the immeasurably more that is in Christ. And Father, that can mean different things for different folks depending on where we are in this journey with Jesus. But I thank you it has meaning for every one of us. None of us is left out. And so by your Spirit, will you bring that truth to home? Will you, uh, home to our heart? Will you allow the prayer that Paul prayed to penetrate our mind in our inner person. Father, that we will discover the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God. That we may discover Christ being at home in our hearts. That we may discover the magnitude of your great love with which you loved us. And that we may discover the fullness of God in our life. Oh, Father, will you apply that to where we are? By your Spirit, will you compel us to give you our life back? Blank check. God, here am I. Use me. There's no sacrifice too great for a God who loves us this much. Will you remind us that we cannot make a new commitment to Christ without making a new commitment to his church? We cannot love Christ more without loving the church more. That's just it's the way it is. So, Father, help us to discover the immeasurably more in Christ. 
as we grow up together to be more like him. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation's been given. We invite you to stand, so you can go ahead and stand. What we're going to do is we're going to sing, and as we sing, it's time for you to respond back to the Lord in obedience. That response may just be honest prayer with God right now and say, God, this is what you're telling me. This is my commitment back to you. And maybe you're just praying, God, palms up, all that I am, all that I have, I'm yours. My life is a blank check for your glory. Maybe you know your commitment level is is lacking and you need to uh, improve weekly, weekly. You need him. Maybe it's a commitment to the church. Maybe it's a profession for baptism as a believer. Whatever it is, now's a good time to say, Lord, I want to discover the immeasurably more, but that begins with total surrender. So as we sing, remember, God's able. He's at work. You didn't get to where you are by yourself. He started it. And he promises, I will.